，鬼岛之音 ，Ghost Island Media。Today, in our third conversation with youth leaders with extensive experience at the United Nations, we hear from Vivian Chen, 27 years old. Vivian is a former delegate to APEC and a former youth representative to the United Nations Forum. Today, she runs the Taiwan chapter of Girls in Tech, a global nonprofit that mentors girls and women in technology. And now she's trying to figure out how to use new technologies like Web3. To further social impact and democratic practices, what you're about to hear is the podcast edition of Game Changers with Emily Waiwu, where I speak with emerging leaders, individuals I have gotten to know in the last several years. These are the fresh faces of Taiwan you must get to know. They are young, they're cool, they're hip, they are changing the world, starting in Taiwan. This is the Taiwan Take. I'm your host Emily Waiwu. Welcome to a new conversation of Game Changers. And after today's episode, if you want to see a video version, head on over to YouTube. We'll have a link in the show notes. Welcome to the show, Vivian. Thanks for having me, Vivian. To change the world, you had to first see the world. So take us on that journey. So I want to go back to the moment where you enter the United Nations. It was 2017. New York City. You're 22 years old. You're still in college. Yeah, I was still in college.、Uh, so basically, I participated in this competition for youth delegate to UN, and、uh, I lost actually on the first year. And after one year of intern and working on a lot of paperwork, research, study, I eventually got into UN. And I was told that it's really hard for Taiwanese to get into the UN building because, like, all these regulations around. So for Taiwanese, it's impossible to get into the actual United Nations building because, as Taiwanese, we're not a part of the UN, so we don't get to go inside the building. So you're there, you're at the gate. Now you finally have to pass. What was that moment like? Got a pass. It was like unbelievable. I didn't even think I would get a pass. And they took a photo. Of me at that moment, they took a photo like right after they they decided they wanted like stand. Yeah, it's kind of a small office like in front of the building. But anyways,、um, once they stamp me for approving me to enter the building, they take a like quick photo of me. It was like so bad. Bad photo. <laughs> bad photo. <laughs> But it's a pivotal moment, so I saved that. That, that that ground pass, and I kind of want to keep that for the rest of my life because that might be the only time I enter UN. What did that moment feel like for you after you finally walked in? There's like all these different flags of different nations hanging out there on the ceiling, and you walk in, you see all these different people from various of countries walking in, talking in different languages. It was the first time I was in such an international environment. And I got into all these different、uh, meeting rooms, like hearing what people are talking about. So it was a meeting mainly for、uh, women's empowerment, like、mm-hmm. it's a commission for a status of women.、Um, people are talking about honor killing,、mm-hmm. migrant workers. Like these are the issues that are not at all highlighted, like migrant workers maybe right now, but not at all highlighted in Taiwan. And these are issues that I, I've, I've never have access to. And being there, listening to people's like hearing people's story and 
see how these are not just issue to them. These are not just a cost to them. It's life. They are fighting for their rights to live. And these are people who actually live through that violence, that tough, that tough situations, and still survive and decided that they want to do something about it. Vivian, why is it important that we're part of UN discussions? Like, oftentimes people would ask me, like, Taiwan is not one of the member in United Nations. Like, how are you attending this, and how is that important for any of us?、Um, it's actually quite important because there's already so little opportunities for Taiwanese to actually participate in all these different international events and. Um, old organizations, and these are where the important conversations happen. And those important conversations often lead to policy making, the policy that would actually change how the whole world works.、Um, if we are not a part of that,、uh, it's really possible that our rights would be left behind. So after you came back from the UN,、um, you stayed with the foundation that you worked at.、Um, by the time you were 23 years old, and you became,、uh, you joined a part of the delegation from Taiwan to APEC. For the next two and a half years, you're working with global economies: the U.S., Canada, Japan, Korea, the Philippines. You're negotiating with. You're in the room where policies happen. You fought for Taiwan's policy to be on the agenda. Is that correct? That's correct. You negotiated funding for projects that Taiwan wanted to do as a part of APEC. I kind of feel like I was on this mission for our country. Like I'm representing the country I'm from. I'm doing the thing that I would never imagine doing. You were 23 years old. I know. <laughs> how does give us a sense? How do you go from I'm a college student? And then all of a sudden, I'm in a really important meeting at APEC. What does that preparation look like? Did you? How, how did you do this overnight? I didn't study this in college, but I believe that we all have the ability to learn on ourselves. So I actually read a lot of books,、uh, like scroll into the past statements, understanding the whole mechanism, holding this book on how APEC works, like every single day, and writing all the notes on it, trying to make sense of it, and、uh, actually writing articles about it, so that it means that I I have output. That I really understand the thing.、Um, yeah, I studied a lot. Like every day after work, I would force myself to read at least like five articles or five、um, statements from APEC's like past、uh, agreement, past meetings. I think the one single source of like motivation about learning anything is the passion for that subject. Like the mechanism, everything. These are all so boring. Like it's like, who do you report to when this happened, and what happened when you can't use this line and whatever. Like that's super boring. But when you have the passion, that makes it interesting somehow. And what was Taiwan's message at the time? Like Taiwan values all these different diverse issue a lot more than some other countries. But Taiwan would send out people that actually work on like. Uh, gender equality,、um, energy,、uh, agriculture—like people who are actually in the working space to all these different places—and and I, I kind of sense that it show how it shows how 
we value all these opportunities for us to showcase what we've done. Okay, so you're talking about the sense, the, you're describing what it's like to be in that room. So for APAC,、uh, every single year you, call, you go to like kind of different country. I was in Papua New Guinea, I was in Chile, and there's、like、Vietnam, Malaysia, and all these different countries. Even though there's like 21 economies in, in APAC, there's、uh, developing economies and developed economies. You can like soon realize how different it is, like how different all the environment is. Like in Papua New Guinea, there wasn't even roads before APAC.、Um, yeah, they built the roads, they built the meeting center, and they built a lot of things for APAC. And all these different countries are just fighting to get into、um, the organization,、uh, the organizing、uh, group to help Papua New Guinea on that because it means they might have some agency in that year,、mm-hmm. even though they are not the host. Um, so it's kind of a power game, even it, during the pre- preparation. Wow, that sounds like to me that's really, really exciting work to be in that room, to be talking to all the different delegations from the different countries. And before now, I wanted to turn our page to 2017. It was actually during this time that you were volunteering on top of your work, on top of you flying around the world, negotiating with global economies. You were volunteering in Taipei at a global NGO. You were training girls from age of twelve to sixty on entrepreneurship and technology, really, really admiring work. But it was also around this time that you quit your job as an official delegation from the country. Why? What happened? So the global nonprofit I work with is Girls in Tech. It's a, a nonprofit set、uh, in the U.S. from San Francisco. What I learned from all these people is that there's a lot of possibilities and things move really fast in the technology world. Like people can build a product within like two or three days. And compared to the policies, the statement we were working on,、um, t- which takes like two years or so many, like plenty of years, to just agree on something really tiny where you don't even know. Uh, if it's gonna affect any of the decision any of these global leaders make,、um, I started to learn more about technology, and I was introduced to blockchain.、Um, how blockchain is actually this like tools, this technology that is rooting for democracy, a more decentralized world, and a world where people have autonomy.、Um, I like that vision, and I feel like I can do something with that. I feel like I can do something with technology, so I quit. So you turned to tech, and you mentioned blockchain, which sent my head spinning.、Yeah. So you're gonna have to explain what that means to me later. Well, so let's take a break, and when we come back, let's find out from Vivian what it means to go from the UN to APEC and now blockchain. Hey, if you have enjoyed the Taiwan Take and would like to support Ghost Island Media. We take monthly donations on Patreon. We're at patreon.com/taiwan, and please give us a good rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This helps other people find the show. All right, thank you, and back to the show. Welcome back to Game Changers with Emily Waiwu. I'm Emily Waiwu, and this is a show where I talk to emerging leaders of Taiwan who are making a difference in the world. Today, we've been talking to Vivian Chen. 
Vivian's journey from the United Nations to APEC to volunteering at a local NGO turned to a surprising twist. With a job that most would envy, she decided to quit and go on her own. And this time, she's changing the game. Vivian, there's something about the beginning of your journey that I want to turn to. So, we're back in Kaohsiung, in Taiwan. You're 20 years old. You bought a plane ticket for yourself to India. You visited a children's shelter. Why did you go? So it was actually the first time I, I'm ever abroad. Like uh, never... the first time you went abroad. Yeah, <laughs> I choose India, which is somewhat challenging and yeah. But uh, I actually saw like uh, all these different documentaries about child labors and how it is in India. So child labors are basically the children who are taken or sold. Uh, to the factories. How old are they? How old are many of them are taken when they are like five or six and rescued when they are 16 or 17. So in their entire life, there's no opportunity for them to actually get access to any education. When the children were rescued, uh, the shelter would help them with their lawsuit with their employers and help them find their parents if possible and ask their parents if they want the children back. And sometimes the parents reject it. So we were there basically, I wouldn't say helping the children, but, but just spending time with them because what I think they really need was, uh, was the ability to trust again. Because they have this like really like huge doubt for human beings in general because they were taken when they were so little and they need to work like 16 hours a day and only get paid like on average two dollars like us dollars each week and a lot of them are working actually in something that's super super dangerous like these are places where adults can really get in like um sewer construction site so you were there for about two weeks uh i was there for about two weeks there's a story you told where you were working with the students, the children. Um, I say students because it was, it sounded to me like a class. Um, you were teaching them to draw. You asked them to draw a picture of what they wanted to be when they grew up. And they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. All of these, uh, these are all boys, like old boys. These boys are all, they're so confused. They don't quite capture the question I ask them, they don't really know what to draw and what, what to do. And what I realized was it's actually hard for them to imagine the future because none of them, uh, none of them were taught what's out there. So imagine if there's, if we, if we have no knowledge on, on the outer space. Would anyone want to be an astronaut? Maybe not, because we don't even know the outer space. Like, it's not that they don't have the potential. It's not that they don't work hard enough to be a teacher or a scientist or whatever. It's that they don't know that's something they can do. And they have no faith in themselves that they can actually do things. And then one of the children came to me. He was, he was like a class lead. He came to me with his picture drawn. So, what he painted is himself in front of a blackboard, mm -hmm. teaching. 
he wanted to be a teacher. And I asked him,、uh, "Why do you want to be a teacher? Like, why is this the future you imagine that you want to be in?" And he said, "I don't want these students to be like me. I want them to be able to imagine what's out there for their life." And that was the moment that really hit me, like the inequality on education and opportunities are actually limiting their potential. They are the hardest working kids I've ever met. Like they're so, so responsible for whatever task we gave them. They are so good, so highly potential, but none of the opportunity were given. None of the opportunities were given to them just because. There were they they don't know anything about them, and if they don't know, how can they fight for it? How is it possible for them? What did you feel at that moment? Were you? I feel like I need to do something. There's no anger. There's no sadness because I know that's what the real reality is like, and I kind of feel related to that because growing up in Gaoshong, never been abroad. I know it's there's a like really competitive world out there. But I'm not a part of that world because I've never studied abroad. I've never been exposed to like these amazing opportunities. I need to fight for that thing. But I'm lucky because I got a chance to know what the world is like. So I kind of feel related and feel like I'm 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 actually just like them, but I'm just a, a slightly luckier version of them, and that inspired me. You're inspiring me right now. You can't see it, but I'm like, this is <laughs> this is happening, and I'm imagining this is how this is the effect that you have on people. This is I, I'm I'm truly inspired. It's been seven years since that moment.、Um, you've been to the UN, you've been to APEC, and now you're back to working directly with charities. And this is really interesting because when you told me this, I was head scratching. It's blockchain. What does that even mean? What do you mean that you're trying to solve equity through blockchain? Oftentimes, the people who I work with these are these are people that are so discriminated by financial institutions. By discriminated, I mean、uh, because they are living in the less wealthy environment, because they live in a remote like、uh, countryside. It's hard for them to travel to the place to actually get the things done to get themselves a bank account, or it's just hard for them to get an identity because not every country has like. Thorough identity system like Taiwan. So, without those services, it's actually very, very difficult for them to save money and accumulate an asset. And the lack of ability and tools to accumulate assets—it's、um, one of the key reasons why these people can't、um, can like move to another social status. Why they are still stuck within where they are. Ultimately, to the person that needed help, they don't retain kind of that power. There's actually two layers of it.、Uh, one is that、uh, not enough funding is actually going to these people, and it's partly because、um, many of the foundations are actually taking like some of the operational fees. The other part is that、um, they are not literate enough, like financially literate enough. To have the ability to to do so, and there's a a part of infrastructure. How we build that infrastructure that actually favor their 
your behavior, like how they how they use your money, how they accumulate asset. So that's a part. And there's definitely a part of partnership. How we include more people into this ecosystem so that it's not just us working on it; it's actually everyone working on it, and uh, to create a more robust um, environment where these people are actually accepted instead of being discriminated. So there's a lot of things we can do, but uh, we're kind of like stepping, um, setting out like different milestones and trying to get things done in a really solid way. But also imagine this is the type of projects that would feed back to the UN system, to UNICEF, to global I foundations. Know. That's my that's my dream. <laughs> that's my dream. I uh, the the yeah. I don't know if I'm just making wishes here, but I do. Please hope, wish away. Wish away. Okay, I do hope uh, the system, the infrastructure we create, will eventually enter the UN system or the global foundations, so that it's like wider usage and wider awareness and wider. Yeah, just people adopting the idea and actually using things to solve the problem in a larger scale instead of just us working here. Well, that sounds like a really good dream. Well, I wish you the best of luck and you're already rocking the world and I look forward to so much more. Now, before we let you go, there's one more question that we ask everybody. Okay. In your journey, how much of this was given to you versus how much did you have to fight for? I think there's definitely a large part that is given to me, especially that I'm so lucky to be born in Taiwan and living in this environment where I have all this convenience and access to access to education, access to all these opportunities. And I don't know if I can get what I had uh, in, other, in other places. So I'm grateful for that. But there's definitely also part that I earned that I fought for myself. Uh, I think that's the opportunities. Um, for example, when I like was fighting to get into you and I failed the first time, but I still managed to hold on to that uh, opportunity and try to get myself in. And eventually I, I got in, but it was like a year after. So don't just give up easily and it's okay to fail once in a while. Um, but you, you, you just need to know that there's gonna be, there's always gonna be like all these obstacles you're running into, but it's okay. Um, you rest, you get up again, and you fight for yourself. Thank you for coming on the show today to telling us your story. I admire how hardworking you are and how you continue to make opportunities for yourself and now going on to changing the world. Thank you. All right, folks, wherever you are in the world, I hope one day you'll get to meet Vivian as well. Maybe you stumble onto the show by accident. Maybe you've been inspired. Or maybe you too are a game changer in your country. Please get in touch with this game changer, Vivian Chen. Thank you for watching the show. The video version of this interview was broadcasted on Taiwan Plus, the TV channel. We'll have a link for you in the show notes. I'm your host and producer, Emily Wai Wu. Our associate producer, who also helped with scripting, is Ting Ye. Researcher is Min Chao. Assistants are Gerald Williams and Teresa Yang. Podcast editing by Dino Lin. Our director for the video shoot was Letitia Fan. Kaylee Emerson was our post-production supervisor. 
video editing by Emma Chow and Vivi Wong, with additional production support by Elaine Lai. Thank you for the executives and colleagues at Taiwan Plus, Shirley Kang, Kelly Kuo, Eric Yang, and Jenny Luo. See you next time. <laughs>